I think there were a lot of sleepless nights for me in the beginning because I was just, you know, trying to create something new out of something that is terrible. That's been what's been happening is just a huge weight on your shoulders. And I'm sure like Yasin and Lauren have employees who have families and you don't want to let them down because they're your family. I'm Nelson Murray, and this is Talking Squarely. In this series, we bring together independent business owners to have frank discussions and share their perspectives on some of the most pressing issues impacting their lives and livelihoods. The COVID-19 shutdowns have reshaped business practices across the world, but the impact of the crisis goes beyond economics. Across the U.S., critical resources tied to public infrastructure stopped This put the communities that rely on these services at risk. Rather than sit on the sidelines, many local business owners have found creative ways of using their resources to meet these challenges. Today, we'll hear from three business owners who saw an opportunity during the peak of the crisis to use their skills to do good in their communities. So uh, San Francisco is um, still very much in lockdown. That's Lauren Crabb. Her San Francisco-based coffee business, Andytown Coffee, has been largely impacted by the coronavirus pandemic. We immediately lost about 60 to 70 percent of our wholesale, which was mostly in um, the large offices here in the Bay Area. Um, And we, yeah, we, we had to just basically shut everything down and it was completely devastating. I spent the first six years of my business just thinking about growth and to immediately have to um, stop everything and shut more than half of my business down, it was completely devastating. In Knoxville, Tennessee, lighter restrictions have allowed Yasin Teru to keep his falafel house open. Business is moving. I think is we, in Tennessee in general, I consider well, life is a very bad situation, but in general, wasn't very bad like compared to other cities and the states. North, in Boston, Sam Shi anticipated a citywide lockdown and knew her tailoring business, Nine Tailors, would need to adapt. We decided our business is not suited for online purchasing because it's so high touch and so customer service oriented. And not only that, we've provided this really beautiful space in Boston for people to come in. And it's really been quite alarming to me that I've had to sort of redirect a lot of those plans because of what's been happening. Yasin, Sam, and Lauren are embedded in their local communities. They don't just provide food or clothing. They provide an experience, a sense of place. It's not just about the sale. So when COVID threatened to take that away, they looked to find a way to still serve their community. Today's theme for the episode is the idea of doing good. Sam, can you define for us what that phrase, what doing good means to you? I've always had a good sense of community and doing other things for others. Um, And, but particularly in high school, I went to a school where their motto was non-sibi, which is basically not for oneself. And so this idea of giving time, energy, um, money has always been very important to me. 
when we knew that we weren't going to be able to provide suiting and shirting to our customers, we decided to, again, pivot our business to make a broader product, which is basically fabric face masks. And that has really not only uh, benefited the community, but then also it's allowing people to understand that we're not just about providing a luxury or near luxury good for people. It's really allowing people to understand that um, we want to help and we have a desire to help and we want to make our community um, better. And Lauren, how do you interpret that phrase? What does doing good mean to you? One of the core values of Andy Town is using our economic impact for good. We're trying to lift up other small small businesses and working with vendors who who share our our commitment to sustainability and to doing good in their own community. It's coming down to me like every time I'm at these crossroads in the past couple months, it's like, how do we do the most good for the most people with this decision, with our limited resources, with, you know, with this whatever the the situation is and um you know whether that's creating more safety protocols in the shops um or closing a shop or whatever it's um it's been really difficult but as long as i'm coming back to that same question of like how do i do the most good how do i do the next right thing for not just myself and my business and the financial realities but for the community for my vendors you know for for everyone um that andy town touches what does doing good mean to yasin's falafel house we need to build love and communication with your with your neighbors with your community and that was one of the challenges when this pandemic happened because one of the famous things we are famous about is like save a place to everyone so how you can be save a place to everyone when you cannot invite the people you love to your dining room or you cannot have these people around you so we start making uh, free food for the people in need. As you know, I come from Syria when when overnight a lot of people I know and even including my families, we lost everything. And this is what happened in here overnight telling you to shut your business, stay home. Can you talk to us a little bit about the the specific things that you're doing at Yassine's Falafel House right now to give back to the community? As you know, uh, Schools all did close early this year, and a lot of these kids was in need for the lunch at the school. The low-income community or the low-income families, they depend of the lunch at the school. We're gonna get food for the kids. Just come, come and pick it up. After that, with hopefully the the school board decide they're gonna give even if the school closed, they can come and pick up food for the kids. What? Now we did move to other one. We partner with a local delivery company saying if you still not have access to go to the school, you can, we can send you deliver meal to you and for the older people. So now we, when the talk is start like saying the older people, they're going to be affected. So we need to keep them home. So we change that a little bit to the people who has older age and we start sending food home. For Lauren, doing something meant supporting the people in her community on the front lines of the pandemic. And her solution, like Yassine's, was close to home. We launched a program that uh, we're calling Coffee for Heroes, um, which 
allows our customers to purchase coffee and we will deliver the coffee um, in large scale. And within the first week, I think we had raised over $40,000 for Healthcare Hero deliveries. How has the coffee and and other uh, food items been received by the healthcare workers you've been giving them to? Oh man, they are stoked. I get tagged at like two o'clock in the morning by the night shift nurses being like, thank you, Andy Town, like taking a photo with their, with their cold brew coffee. Um, it's, it's been really cool to see the response and, you know, it's, it's something that I hesitate to take credit for because it is our customers who are, you know, spending the money and sending all of these, um, all of all of the coffee and, and pastries. It's all our customers who are doing this. On the topic of healthcare workers and supporting them, um, Sam, Nine Taylors started a program called Making the Thread Count. Is that right? Lauren, that sounds amazing. I can't imagine how many healthcare workers are just so appreciative of the food and the coffee and then just the love. I just love that. Um, so for Nine Taylors, I sort of knew that we needed to do something to pivot our business because people weren't going to be able to come into our showroom. Um, So about two weeks before we were actually um, closing, I, uh, I approached our tailors who were, who would normally be altering our suits and our shirts and things like that for our clients. I asked them to, would you be willing to make fabric face masks for our community? And one of my tailors actually she runs her own little um, business about south of the city, and she actually noticed that she had not received any new work from any of her existing or returning customers since um, about mid-January to late January. And so she was really looking for a, a, a form of income to sort of to supplement that loss. And I was like, you know what, let's do this face mask program and we'd love for you to make children's face masks for us. And then we hooked up with another tailor who also was in a similar situation. We had the ability and the manufacturing ability and just the knowledge to do that and um, basically changed our business from suit making to fabric face mask making within uh, about a week. Part of our program is a donation program and part of it is for purchase. So if you're um, somebody in the community that needs a face mask, then you can purchase it. But part of it is also a donation. So in total, we've been able to donate around 600 face masks to our community and to frontline workers and then also to um, people who are in need. Yasin, Lauren, and Sam quickly discovered they weren't the only ones wanting to make a difference. Their communities just needed the opportunity to show up. And in Yassine's case, that community support is nationwide. We have people who just come and throw money at us. It's like, just get it, Yassine. Whatever you want to do with it, just do it. They, they, they like give an employee tip of $100. Or they, or they go and just buy a T-shirt. I have someone in California, actually, where you guys are. She's, she's bought like an eight T-shirt, a four T-shirt, and just like Yassine, hey, I want to support you and give it for free. So it's like, yes, we are in a hard time. Yes, we are in a challenge where we can get our stuff. But in the same time, I think this is what, what will show the community who you are. Is uh, not only when you uh, the, the time is easy you give out. I think that the more valuable people who we give in a hard time, not when you, when you have the extra and you don't need it, 
you want to be you want to do the right things i think you need to share your own food if we need to and i'm gonna do it i think what resonated with me is like the community turns to small businesses like Yassine's and like ours and and like Samantha's that you know we're here in the community day in and day out in the good times and when things go bad the community is trusting us to to still be there and that's been what has really propelled Andy Town with this Coffee for Heroes program is like yes we are fronting a lot of you know time and resources and everything else but we're we're willing to put put up that and then our customers are taking care of the 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 money piece all three business owners tapped into their expertise to help their communities and as a result those efforts have been key to keeping their staff employed and their businesses running but making the changes has not been easy how is it that that each of you are able to to do these acts of good to go above and beyond in a time where you must already be under immense financial and emotional stress yeah i think as a small business owner you have a lot of responsibilities you have responsibilities to your own customers you have responsibilities to your team um, i have a small team of seven in boston who help run my business and um, the my first goal was, um, okay, I don't want to lay anybody off. I don't want to furlough anybody. And that is a really, really hard decision for a lot of small businesses to make. I was like, okay, we need to think of another way to um, save our employees, save our tailors who haven't had any work. And that was one of the reasons why we decided to pivot. The second, obviously, was that we really wanted to help our community with fabric face masks because there was such a shortage. And we wanted to allow our healthcare workers to have access to N95s and KN95s and gowns and gloves and things like that, that they can't get access to right now, or there's a shortage of. Um, I mean, for goodness sakes, people in New York were wearing trash bags. But if we can make a small impact in, um, in our local community to provide um, PPE to um, our neighbors, our friends, and uh, and allow people to allow our healthcare workers to have the right products. I am more than happy to do it. I think that is the right thing to do. As Sam said, one of the things was very hard is like to let the people go, the people who, who you build, and they you. It's like I have like around thirty five employees with me. So some of them like my babies, <laughs> some of them like 16 and 17 years old, and some of them like my brother and sister, we spend all this time together. It's like, how I call it, these people go. So it's like, okay, we need to do something for them. And at the same time, it's like, again, I can't let my community go when they when they need me. Lauren, how about you? What you seen touched on as far as the employee retention was a huge um a huge motivator for for me like i said when we first got the shelter in place notice we had to lay off about half of our um half of our staff and um trying to figure out how to get people back to work and also get people back to work safely um was a huge stressor um for us and one of the nice things about the coffee for heroes program is that we the people that we were able to bring back they were they're brewing coffee 
not talking to the public in a room. It was a nice way for us to bring people back in a really low risk way. When you're building a a values focused business, which I, I think all of us have a values focused business. And when you think about all of the, the good that your business is doing normally, you know, like all of the coffee farmers that we support all over the world and all of like our ceramicists that we buy ceramics from and all of our, um, all of our customers here in the community who rely on us for that community space. I was like, if I don't figure out how to keep my business afloat right now, then every good thing that we do normally is going to stop. When you're making decisions in that mindset, um, it's, I think it really shows your true colors as a person. I think it, it, and as a business owner, um, where you see businesses like Yassim's who's able, who's able to feed kids who can't afford lunch at school and, you know, businesses that are making face masks and doing all these things that are doing good in their communities. And I think that it's just been really uplifting to see, to see how small businesses could pivot so quickly. In many ways, small businesses like Yassine's, Sam's, and Lauren's have become essential community leaders. Rather than close their doors and cut their losses, they have met the challenges of a pandemic world head on. Using their expertise, passion, and relationship to their neighborhoods, they have found ways to give back that help people and keep the lights on. It's that unique connection that small businesses have to their communities that made this type of work possible. And the community has responded to these acts of kindness by paying them forward. A special thanks to our guests, Lauren, Sam, and Yassine. To send coffee and pastries to a healthcare worker in San Francisco, visit andytownsf.com. Yassine's Falafel House remains open in Knoxville, Tennessee. You can visit them online at yassinefalafelhouse.com. And to purchase a Nine Tailors fabric mask and contribute to making the thread count, visit mtc9t.square.site. You've been listening to Talking Squarely, a Square production. This episode was produced by Mallory Russell, Cindy Lewis, Elise Bailey, Caitlin Kiefer, Evan Grohl, John Scarpinato, and Travis Gonzalez. Our music was composed by Jordan Wallace with sound recording by Sorrentino Media and Jamie Cohen. I'm Nelson Murray. Thank you for listening.